everybody, this is Alex Kelly with Furloughed Film Talks, back here with another fun-filled episode, here with my brother, Ryan. I've got a mic in my face. Hey guys. So we have a jam-packed episode today. I'm adjusting the mic for people who can't see. Um, no, we are going to talk about everything with all the release changes that have happened over the last week. Then we are going to do our interview with Liam Firmager and Tate Brady, uh, producer and director from Suzy Q, the new documentary. Uh, go check it out on their website on Wednesday. They're going to be doing a showing in the U.S., a virtual showing with a Q&A with mm -hmm. Susan Quattro, the subject of the movie. So go check that out. Um, the website for that. Way to be prepared. Yeah, I just thought about this as I was like, hmm, I should probably say like what the website is. Probably suzyq.com, right? Probably, yeah. I mean, it'd be just as simple as something like that. So we're just going to keep BSing Get on it. until I figure out. Fill some airtime. Susie, see, you would have been wrong. It was suzyqmovie.com. Oh. So S U Z I Q movie.com. So, okay. Um, go check that out Wednesday, then they're releasing it later. Um, what time on Wednesday is that happening? I think it's all day. It's all day. Yeah. Okay. And then the, the um, Q&A will be in the afternoon or later night. So, all the information is on the website, suzyqmovie.com. They were great people. Interview was awesome. Uh, be stick around for that. We're gonna have them back. Hopefully, um, Tate was talking about coming back for the South by Southwest. So we'd love to see him in Austin. Yeah, that happens next uh, next year. Yeah, who, who knows? Um, but then we are gonna talk about a movie that wasn't even on Ryan's radar, but it made him cry like a little bitch. It wasn't on your radar either. What are you yes, talking? it was. What? Yeah. Then why didn't you tell me about it? I told you about it when we watched it. Okay, it wasn't on your radar before yesterday. No, no, it was on my radar, but like three-ish weeks ago because i reached out to some people trying to get them on because oh. i read about it on imdb no it wasn't on your yes the yes, actress I, was, the actress no. is on your radar okay the actress but then i had seen that because i look up like when vod stuff is gonna drop okay and this was last week and i was like oh we need to watch this and we did and the movie is called baby teeth baby teeth it stars uh, eliza scanlon and Ben Mendelsohn. If you're in for a laugh, though, go go search um, Baby Teeth 4 on YouTube. Yes. And then if you want to get kicked in the gonads and cry like a baby, yeah, watch actually Baby see, Teeth, the actual movie. The movie. Um, so we will talk about that at the end of the episode. That is going to get into heavy spoilers yes. about probably five minutes into that discussion. So if you want to skip all the spoilers, for the love of God, Listen to the first like three minutes, and then I will say spoilers from here on, and then we're just gonna go into how crazy good of a movie it was. But first, Ryan, we have to talk about everything getting pushed back. Yeah, because about cases are going up, continuously going to hell. Pets' heads are falling off. What? It's the Dumb and Dumber line. Oh, you're right. Yeah. right. I've had it with this dump. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off! Okay, just calm down. Uh, that's going to be a drop at some point in this episode. So, uh, basically every movie that had been scheduled for the next like month and a half in a theater got pushed back. At unless least. the name of it was Irresistible, which everybody shit on. So, yeah, we, we have a we need to do that. been for that so far. Not good. Okay. It's in like the 40 percentile on Rotten Tomato. And so you're glad we didn't risk COVID to go see it in the theaters? Yeah, I really yeah. am. Well, because when we were talking about it, I was like, I like you, when I said it, I was like, I'll go and see it by myself. But like, if we're going to do like a whole trek out there, like me, you, it's not fucking worth it. Let's just watch it at home. Right. So Which we uh, haven't even done yet. No, we haven't done. But we watched Baby Teeth because Baby Teeth is, I don't so care how good, good Irresistible is. There's no way to Baby holds a handle this movie. So yeah, we'll get into that later. Um, but no, our pets' heads are falling off. Movies keep getting pushed back. AMC is having to push back their release or their opening. Uh, yeah, shit's shit's not good across the board. It's really fucking not good in the film industry. Uh, it's not good anywhere, dude. No, no, it's really really bad. So, I mean, what? What were, what are you laughing at? It's, you're really making this a down of an episode. Like, yeah, man. Shit Don't... is awful, guys. Shit is on. I mean, like, the end of the episode's a downer too. Like that meme with Charlie from fucking uh, It's Always Sunny. <laughs> Strings like 
guys that's, that's, just, that's like trying to look for a theory that's really not there but uh that's like half of the like if now. wearing masks is important or not i'll kill you <laughs> um it is guys wear, it is. wear your mask. definitely masks. wear a mask christ man yeah um but no mulan got pushed back from july 24th to august 21st tenant got pushed back again july 31st to august 12th he is sticking to the fact that he's going to have that in a movie theater they're not going to back off that one so 12th is it no one said that no no no. i don't think he's in my head i just think like if you move it back a third this is the second time oh so you're, moved... you're saying this with no basis whatsoever no but no but like all the all the rumors have been like he w- this will not go to vod like they will, oh no no, no. they of will push not. this back as far as they this have to can't go to will be in movie theaters yeah. like he they he will not let warner brothers do that he shouldn't so like Absolutely they're just gonna keep pushing this back until they can like put it in a fucking theater so okay which interesting side note that i didn't look up i wonder if they're still doing the inception thing on july 17th they almost Probably have to not. well because it's the 10-year anniversary so i bet they will they'll maybe. do something maybe i don't know I so just, they don't lose anything by doing it right yeah like they'll just have people who want to come see fucking inception so yeah i mean um, don't have anything else to fucking show them so well they'll have unhinged on july 31st now i'm like, actually uh, pretty surprised at this mood so am i like because if if you keep something like irresistible i guess irresistible got under the second surge that we've now just had started like Fair, a, i mean well because it came out this past friday it was it definitely came out like so, friday well the decision so was re- coming yeah like the they decision to release it was made prior to like the second surge coming yeah like they couldn't pull it four days before it was supposed to be in theaters so speaking of surge you want to talk about the uh the new one the new what the, the swine flu that's headed away no i really don't like you don't wanna... i still can't believe that's actually a thing now should we inform or i feel like that's Maybe not fear mongering, but just like trafficking and stuff that's not as known. Like even coronavirus isn't as known. Well, let's now, let's specify like, that we're not trying to fear monger. We're really like trying to make fun of the situation that okay, yes. we're in the let's, middle of a goddamn pandemic, out. and there's another and we have pandemic. another flu on the way, basically from China. Yeah, let's. I mean, from a pig farm this time, which is very 1984 of China to do. So yeah, I mean, bottom line, apparently there's some new fucking version of H1N1 that's jumped from swine to human yeah like supposedly some of the workers have gotten sick yeah there's been this. some workers it's some respiratory thing just oh, jesus christ just whoever's Can you imagine whoever's you imagine? fucking with our timeline just please stop please, we've had please enough fuck off just can you like can you imagine though if that happens like chuck e cheese ain't gonna be the last one to go bankrupt if that happens <laughs> how the fuck do you go from Horrible, like apocalyptic, dual pandemic to Chuck E. Cheese going out of business. How the fuck is that not so high on your priority list? Because it's are you fucking talk- hilarious that Chuck E. Cheese is going bankrupt. Like it's fucking hilarious that Squally's is going bankrupt. Squally's is going bankrupt. If, <laughs> if you haven't heard there's some, this there's like story, some poor fucking child in Iowa somewhere whose favorite pizza place is now Pasquale's, and his dad's gonna have to come home and tell him that his favorite pizza place—he has no idea—it's connected to Chuck E. Cheese at all. He has his, no clue his that favorite like, pizza in the world, yeah. Pasquale's, is going out of business. He doesn't know where it's come from. He just knows that like his dad has gone to this pizza place. And Not even that! For- this fucking, this Uber Eats driver brings this delicious yeah. box of Pasquale's yeah. to his door every Friday and night. he doesn't know what pizza is. He doesn't no. know this is shit pizza to him. This is like I guarantee the you best there's some ever. child whose first pizza was Pasquale's and he'll never get to have Pasquale's again. That's tragic. This has gone off the rails. Fuck you, real, COVID. Real fast. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, like COVID. For, and for, for everybody, let's just get this out of the way as well. COVID-19 stands for Coronavirus Disease 2019. It's not Chinese-originated virus something or other. He's trying to say it's not Kung Flu. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is I literally had somebody Saturday look at me and say, like, oh, no, COVID-19 stands for China-originated virus, and it's the 19th one. And I was just like, what? Who, who told you that? And I was like, uh, somebody. I was just like, So we're not going to believe this is the 19th one China sent our way? <laughs> what the? I'll tell you off air who it is, but yeah, so, no, so yeah. I know exactly who it is, Alex. That's the world we live in now, so, um, 
Yeah, man. Shit. Let's get back to talking about movies and the yeah. release dates getting switched. We're, I think we're... We're on Unhinged getting pushed back because we are actually... I'm going to blow out the speakers. I don't care. I am okay. super excited to announce that we are going to have Michael Papa John. So he's going to be on the show. Michael Papa John. To, to talk about Unhinged. He was also the Uncle Ben killer in Spider-Man, the original trilogy. Well, why don't you tell him who he plays in uh, Unhinged, Alex? He plays a cop. He's really good at playing a cop. Okay. A cop. Uh, Is but he's the also best time to have a cop on? The cop gets run over in the movie. Oh, I shouldn't be a, say that. It's going to be a hit then. Yeah. Could you imagine if that's how this gets popular? It's not the fact that like Russell Crowe goes batshit in this movie. It's just that he's like the fact that he's, he's running cops. cops over like somehow gets this movie to be like super popular. That would be the most 2020 thing to happen. That'd be that'd not a second pandemic. People like celebrating the fact that cops are getting killed in a movie. That'd be kind of fucked because uh, watch it's gonna happen. I don't know. Russell Crowe does have I'm, I think some animosity towards cops. True, he did get arrested multiple times, especially Jewish cops. Was he the one that said a bunch of anti-Semitic stuff? Mm-hmm. I thought that was, Mel Gibson did the same thing, right? Oh, am I? Let's not get am I let's mixing, not get defamation. Am, Zeke is now suing people for defamation. Let's not get a defamation suit against us. I think I might be mixing up Russell Crowe and um, Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well, let's make sure though. Yeah, we're gonna look this up. Let's go ahead up. and put into Google's Russell Crowe anti-Semitic. <laughs> See if we get any hits here. <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean he's had his. Apologies yeah. for Twitter circumcision comments. Yeah, he has some circumcision comments. Okay, that's not as bad as what Mel like, Gibson said. Yeah, on the Mel Gibson's scale the same of like you know a little mad at your Jewish neighbor for being richer than you to like Hitler. That's somewhere like at twenty percent, I think. Okay, yeah. I don't think there's a scale really, but, but you don't like my scale of not really. No, for circumcision comments, I think that's at least like a fifty percent on that scale. You think that's pretty? Oh, you think it's higher than? Yeah, the, I think it's. I think that's pretty. Think I think it's bad. You think okay. having circumcision Nobody... comments is fifty percent to Hitler? Yeah, let's go with that. I don't think. I don't have no idea. <laughs> I don't think. That's I'm not right. thinking through this at all. I like. They're all bad. They should have not have said any of this shit. Mel Gibson's was way worse, but let's not get off on that tangent. But yeah, we're going to have Mr. Papa John. Yes, super excited to talk to him about Unhinged and Spider-Man. And then one other movie that is getting pushed back, uh, Bill and Ted, was supposed to be, I believe, like early August. It is now going to be pushed to August 28th, which is actually the same date as the New Mutants. So New Mutants gets screwed again. So you think... Think Sucks to be them. I think they'll move it again. Fuck no. They're sticking with that date. They don't care. They're literally just dropping this for the sake of dropping this movie. Just like, just a like, fucking. Yeah, just to have it out there. Like, it might be good, but it's like, literally, they're just like, we don't care anymore. Just put it out. I don't Because they're it. not going to do anything with it. Like, like they're going to put this out, and there's going to be no sequel. There's going to be no, like, follow up to it, even if it is good. It's like the only other thing they could do is just put it on their streaming service, right? Disney Plus? No. This oh, is Fox. Is this... Oh, this is Fox? Yeah, this is a oh. Marvel Fox thing. Uh, yeah, I guess, they, no, they would not put this on They put it on like Hulu. I think this, like, most like the Fox stuff, they don't put it on Disney+. Plus. They like, put it like on an FX Hulu. thing. Yeah, FX Hulu. original on Hulu type yeah. of deal. Which, yeah, I mean, that probably had be good. Before. They actually had really good ones. What was that, um... God, the one that's, like, set in the 70s, the TV show on? Oh, Mrs. America or whatever? No. Never mind. I don't know which one you're talking about. Okay. Whatever. Um... But yeah, and then AMC is going to be opening 450 of their 600 theaters in the United States uh, on July 30th. That was supposed to be on July 15th, but that's been pushed back as well. So everything's getting screwed in today's day and age of COVID in the movie industry. So we'll see how it goes in the future. But we are very, very excited to now be joined uh, by the producer and director uh, producer Tate Brady and director Liam Fromager of the new documentary Suzy Q. Check it out Wednesday. They're going to have a do- uh, Q&A with Susan Quattro. Uh, go to suzyqmovie.com. It's S-U-Z-I-Q movie.com. Suzyqmovie.com. Definitely check that out Wednesday. But uh, here are Tate and Liam. So we are now joined by the director of the new documentary, Suzy Q, which is going to be showing on Friday in the U.S. with a uh, Q&A with Susan Quattro afterwards. So definitely check that out. Uh, it's Liam Firmager. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so 
I, it's it's probably not as crazy over in Australia, but uh, how you been doing these last couple months? It's actually uh, got a bit crazier because I'm down in Victoria, Melbourne, um, okay. and they've had a fresh outbreak, so it's gone all a bit crazy again. Whereas okay. the rest of Australia have been behaving themselves. So um, yeah, so it's been a bit tough. It's certainly been tough, uh, you know, sort of with film, the film world, of course. You know, mm-hmm. everyone's kind of suffering and. Uh, you know, in the big scheme of things, obviously it's not that important, but it still, it still hurts. It's, it's yeah. still your job. You still gotta, you know, make that's right. Yeah. Out, right? So, yeah. um, you know, with this the documentary, it follows the life of Susan Quattro and, uh, you know, she's been around since the seventies. How did you as the director kind of get involved with her and what was kind of, you know, the, the impetus or, you know, the beginning of this movie? Uh, well, I have a music background myself, uh, being a musician, and I, I'd always had the inclination to do a music-based documentary. Um, and I was simply just looking for the right subject. Mm-hmm. And just through a mutual friend who'd mentioned that, you know, no one had ever actually done a documentary on Susie Quattro, which just blew me away because, you know, I know that in America she's kind of marginalized and forgotten, but uh, certainly in the rest of the world, you know, she sold 55 million records, uh, which is no small feat, right? No, um, no, she still sells at arenas in England and Australia and, and such. So I just thought that was a very interesting dichotomy, you know, that uh, she couldn't get arrested in, a, in where she was born, you know. Yeah. Um, but everywhere, everywhere else, people, people know Susie Quattro. So I... Great. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like with this story, there had to have been a lot of behind the scenes stuff that was really interesting. What was kind of the most interesting or kind of craziest thing that you heard while, you know, making this film? <laughs> I don't know about anything crazy. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure, you know, uh, this kind of documentary lends itself to like those sort of anecdotal gems, but um, I, I think it was more, being sort of thrust in this situation where, you know, initially I thought this was going to be very tough to, to track down some big names to sort of mm-hmm. give uh, testimony, if you like. Um, and, and that actually turned out to be the easiest process of it. Um, I would just reach out to managers or agents of, of, you know, like Debbie Harry or Alice Cooper, mm-hmm. expecting just to, you know, hear silence. Yeah. And, you know, within like 24, 48 hours, they were bringing me up saying, Debbie wants to do it and she's available whenever you need her kind of vibe. Wow. Uh, which just really like I was spoiled really, but uh, you know, I began to realize of course they all universally felt that Susie being such an influence and such a groundbreaker, she had been unfairly forgotten in sort of the annals of mm-hmm. rock history and they wanted to correct that. So, uh, you know, hence uh, the ease of uh, bringing all these guys together and girls together and um, you know, making the film that it is yeah when you guys are getting some really really good reviews i was seeing that i think it was hollywood reporter and also yahoo movies were giving it like rave reviews and i think it has a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes what's it kind of been like to see that the united states is waking up to what a good movie this is and what an interesting person susan quattro yeah it was it was funny i was having this conversation with one of our producers a, a couple of days ago we were very pleasantly surprised when we initially released the film in Australia we, we got some wonderful reviews and then we took it to Europe and the reviews were really good mm-hmm. um, and we were a bit apprehensive about how America would take it because Susie wasn't a star there yeah you know um, and we've just been blown away by the response uh, that we've received you know from from the, the critics and the press um, beyond our expectations um, I think we've got less than a four-star review, which is that's self-promotion. Um, but that's just that's just wonderful. And the most pleasing aspect of it is they actually get it. They actually get the purpose of the film. They get the tone of the film. They understand the injustice, I guess, in terms of Susie's career in the US and her influence. And they've really jumped on board and embraced the spirit of what it, what it was. Mm. Um, which really has restored my faith in critics, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, thank God, they're actually getting it right for once. It'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll be really interesting to see what the reception is, just by like the overall audience in America. Because mm. I know, like, when we first started talking about it, I had I had honestly never heard of CZQ. The the thing I thought he was talking about a Disney Channel movie, which is terrible. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, America, uh, yeah, yeah. But, but we're, we're probably a generation removed <laughs> yeah. from. Um, like 
you know, her, her, being in, her yeah. coming out era. So, oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's going to be really cool to see this whole story and then to see, like, if this kind of corrects the um, historical record a little bit in everyone and kind of the zeitgeist of America where you, she can kind of be added into yeah. the kind of pantheon of that rock and roll start. Well, how, I mean, how yeah, important yeah. was that to y'all to kind of create something that would put not her on a pedestal, but shine more of a light on her and, you know, to show people how influential she really was? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I mean, it was vital for us from the beginning because we understood there was that discrepancy, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we realized that Susie Quattro isn't even in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Which is just mind blowing, giving her influence and you know her credibility, how they could have not even received a nomination, um, yeah. and that to me is the greatest injustice in a sense. And I th- I'm, we felt that you know maybe this documentary could be somewhat of a a case for that. Um, so so it would it, it would highlight, put a spotlight on her achievements and her career and her influence, and say, hey guys, you know pay attention, you've forgotten this girl here. So <laughs> hi Tate. <laughs> hi what is up so for for people who are listening to this on the podcast show tate brady uh the producer of season q has now joined us uh how are you doing sir hi i'm good i'm really really sorry uh, about being late so i didn't know we were live um so i hope I, i'm trying to find a quiet spot and it's uh just turned turned into a, a challenge we're to do live. so we're, we're not, not live no we're not live we'll be able to edit this. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's like uh, a drummer he's always coming in knocking and coming yeah. in at the wrong time <laughs> uh, you that. just had a screening for one of your other movies how did how to go yeah yeah i'm sorry it started it's it, it was held up and started late so everything's knocked on and then i was going to do this in a quiet one of the cinemas but the cinemas have all got um you know like muzak playing so oh yeah they're, they're not quite Elevator music. so yeah. i'm i'm kind of i'm out on a balcony on the street i hope the traffic noise isn't a problem but anyway no, thank you very much for, for uh ha- having us on guys this yeah no we, we appreciate you jumping us on mm-hmm. jumping on with us uh we were just kind of talking about the influence of this documentary and hopefully shining a light more on susan uh and we asked you know, Liam, how important it was to, you know, highlight that. How important was it to you, you know, to highlight that as well? Yeah, we, the, the, you know, as I probably comes across through the film, um, and the reason that we made the film and the reason the film's made out of Australia is that Susie has been a really mainstream figure here since like 1973, and she still is, and she still tours. She was here, she's toured twice in the last, you know, 18 months. Um, and as she is in a lot of European countries, and about halfway through making the film, we realized we assumed that she was, uh, or at least had that level of success in the US. Mm-hmm. And it took us a long time to, to realize that wasn't exactly the case. And that ended up sort of shifting the way, the direction of the film. It's like we had a point to prove. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that, was, um, that was an odd thing, and it really, one of the indicators is when I was, I was pitching the film when we were trying to raise the finance, and I had people telling me, oh, no, no, looking at a photo, going, oh, no, that's, that's not, that's Joan Jett. That's not Susie Quattro. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I'm getting, <laughs> yeah. And it's just like Joan says in the movie, and people would say to me, no, that's Joan Jett. She was in Happy Days. And I'm sitting there going, man, I've just spent, you know, already spent two or more years of my life working on this. I'm telling you, that's Susie Quattro. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, that's Susie. Like, I've stared at this so much. I, I, yeah. I want to bet that was, that was an American. That sounds like classic American arrogance right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> was, was that an american who said that yeah yeah okay yeah, all right all right i'm just hoping but it, it wasn't anybody from texas it did speak to that thing that we assumed that those big hits the first big hits had been big hits in the u.s and that's a reason that we put up all those chart placings on the screen yes. to sort of you know the subtext tells the tells the story about her success in all these other countries um but but not not so much in the u.s and um it's this classic case of, you know, non-American music taking a long time to ever cut through in the in the U.S. market. And then, yeah. um, Don, the drummer from Slade, who's like such a great a great geezer, Don told us this story about Slade how um, they just went back to the U.S. year after year after year, like, like ten years. And again, they were huge mm-hmm. in Australia, 
So yeah. we assumed that they were, he said it was almost an accident that we broke through in America. And of course, once they had that minute, they were good for the next decade. That seems to be how it is in America. Like you can just well, do like one song or just do something like real small. And then all of a sudden it's just like, yeah, we're popular for a decade and a half. Here. It's funny because yeah. it's like a consistent thing where, you know, we just had, you know, the past couple of years, like Parasite win the Academy Award. And like, yeah. it's, it's consistent over film and music and the whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, it's interesting when I, when I first started to research this movie, you guys have such a long list of people that are in this, like Alice Cooper and Joanne Jett or Joan Jett. The one that stuck out to me, and it's really because I love, we love the show Barry, it's Henry Winkler. And so when I saw that name, I was like, (laughs) oh, hell yeah. Like, this is going to be awesome. What was it? Maybe not the process of having him involved in the movie, but like, how cool is it just having him be a part of it? He was fantastic. He was uh, one of the first to really put his hand up, but it took a while to to get him uh, on camera because of his schedule, but he was certainly enthusiastic to do it. But I actually went to his uh, house in Brentwood in LA to shoot that uh, interview. And, you know, if you think he's a nice guy, you know, coming across on TV, he's an absolute gem of a person in, in real life. Uh, he was so accommodating and so friendly. Um, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, take the spare bedroom there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. He's, he's an absolute gent. And, uh, you know, uh, that was one of my highlights, I guess, of, of doing all those interviews and traveling. That's awesome. Well, and Liam, you, you mentioned something about Susie isn't in the, the rock and roll hall of fame, you know, when this comes out and when there's going to be a lot of press for it, do you think there's going to be now a concerted effort to make sure that she's included in the hall of fame? It seems like she should be already. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, I reckon I can ask the the answer, the first part of that and I'll let Tate answer the second part, but I don't think that it will uh, change anything in, in that sense. I don't think it'll pressure the rock and roll hall of fame or, you know, the powers that be to do anything about it, but it'll certainly, um, sort of raise her the awareness of her uh, and her omission, and in, I feel in some way that'll sort of grease the tracks uh, for that eventually to happen down the, down the line. Uh, Tate. Oh yeah, no, I agree. It, it, it seems to be a slow process. There, there's almost that ritual that you, you even someone like Todd Rundgren, who's one of the greatest pioneers in the history of popular music, and Todd Rundgren was only nominated for the first time last year, and you have to maybe be nominated more than once even yeah. to get drawn in. I mean, look, you know, no disrespect, but really, Joan Jett is in the Hall of Fame. Didn't even write the songs. You know? it's, yeah, it makes a bit a of a mockery. And yeah. last year, Whitney Houston. I mean, there's no, no way you're going to tell me Whitney Houston is remotely rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. you do worry about it. But um, so the credibility is, is, and I'm not the only one that's ever raised this issue, the credibility is pretty pretty thin if, if you think it's act that that academy of any type is about recognizing pioneers mm-hmm. which to me is one of the most valuable you know most important elements then susie's at the top of the pile which of course is you know what we point out in the you know what we make in the film we, we the film isn't making an argument for her being in the rock and roll hall of fame it's just a, a parallel sort of yeah kind, kind of issue well, it might not like come about directly because of the documentary, but if nothing else, like hopefully this gets in front of enough of our generation and the generation yeah. behind us. Well, maybe, you know, there's a second heyday for her and, you know, organically it can happen. That, That's exactly it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. I mean, Susie hasn't toured there. I've just lost you guys. Susie hasn't toured there for so long and it was not entirely clear as to, as really as to why. Um, but it, maybe it wasn't really, I mean, she lost the drive to do so, you know, but maybe it wasn't yeah. um, viable to, to get a tour up. And at the very least, I'm hoping that, well, maybe, maybe the film can help change that. Mm. Because it'd be such, um, I mean, the woman is 70. And and she's, she's still she's doing phenomenal. stuff. Yeah. And she, yeah. when you see her, when you see her, this, this, it's not like a veterans, you know, show. I mean, she plays like it's, it's every gig, like it's Woodstock, you know? Every gig's <laughs> the most 
every gig's the most important show. I love it. She's such a trooper. She's so showbiz. In, in She's that. really high I energy feel- on stage. She really is. I, yeah. yeah. I saw one video of her from like a couple of years ago. And she was just going all out on that stage. And it's just, it's incredible. But the, yeah. she's, I think the thing that like, she should be included in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. If nothing else, she just put out her 24th album. Like the energy it takes to do that many albums is incomprehensible to me like i can't I, when i read it's that like, that was insane. the continuous like creative drive just yeah. like over and over is amazing yeah and some of the tracks on that new album which was recorded last year i mean some of the tracks on that album is so great and they're really like this is like hard rock yeah the woman was mm. here, recorded this when she was 69 and it's a hard rock record i mean really oh, badass. <laughs> but, and you guys are doing something I mean, not unconventional, but in today's day and age, everything is kind of in the wheelhouse now. You're doing a one-day kind of showing for VOD and then a Q&A with Susan afterwards. Where did kind of the idea from that come from? Necessity. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the only way to do it, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> we all, everyone has to be, you know, has to be fluid. Uh, uh, my, the new buzzword is you know, we have to learn to pivot. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you've heard that one. And our distributor in, in North America um, had 20, oh, more than 25 cities booked for the film with cinemas. Wow. Um, and this was just, just getting locked in just as the shutdown really kicked in in March. And so there was a point in March, early April, you know, where everything was hovering. I mean, no one anywhere was sure what was going to happen. And, and, and a bit later, they had to make the tough decision early on as to what to do because you have to set these things up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so they decided to go stick with the July plans and then then um, created this <clears throat> this virtual event as a way of a premiere. And of course, Susie was going to be in the US and she was going to be doing publicity for the film. And none of that, of course, is, you know, is possible mm-hmm. due to travel. And, and of course, that's killing her because there's nothing she would have wanted to do more than premiere the film in probably in Detroit, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, but now we're able to do a, a virtual, a virtual premiere to create a, a bit of a sense of an event. And Kathy Valentine and Sheree have uh, Sheree Curry have agreed to be to be part of that, you know, uh, online virtually on, mm-hmm. on Wednesday night, which is kind of cool. And then um, Friday, it's out. Friday third, it's out everywhere on you know VOD platforms. So um, it's yeah. We, I mean, we're not we're not really the first film. To, to do this sort of thing but um you're going to see a lot more of it yeah well it sounds like uh some film festivals are going to try and do this where they're going to have uh, a virtual film festival but then have yeah. select theaters around the country where people can go and like see a couple showings of that you think this is a good model for you know whatever we're gonna be able to do over the next like six to nine months or how how do you guys see you know this moving forward over the next year so, mm. Oh wow! We've already had a couple here. There was a really good short film festival here uh, in Melbourne um, that that did did that. And and you know, with shorts, I really didn't mind. I, I I'm not a great fan of watching feature films on on a you know on a TV, let alone on a. Don't even start me on 13 inch laptop monitors. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, of I course, the whole the sense of event and discovery and all of those things were is really missing mm. but hey if, mm. if, if, if this is this is what's going to be well this is what's going to be but um it where well, everyone everywhere is trying to create a point of difference you know so build some sort of event around mm. uh, 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 and build some excitement around um launching your film so i guess there's going to be a lot more of this you know. yeah i think certainly what's missing as well and it's it's really evident is the sense of uh community Mm-hmm. In, in in film and and in these screenings and in these events there's an absolute vacuum of of uh you know that uh, community and being able to just have dialogue and talk about the films and yeah. you know walk out of a cinema with somebody and say wow wasn't that amazing you it's just not there and uh you know there are a few people out there we've interviewed some who say that you know they wouldn't have a problem with theaters going away completely and everything going to VOD. And it's like, I, it's unfathomable to me that like, that's in what this whole thing is really, I think shown a lot of us is like, 
we maybe took the ability to go to theaters for granted and like do communal yeah. things for granted. Yeah. And mm. you know, we have had the date when our local theater was going to open oh, yeah. like two, three weeks in advance. And like, it's something that, you know, week in and week out we would do is like, just as you say, come out of the theater and talk about the movie. And like, it's a whole experience. I don't, you just don't get that out of VOD. Well, that's, I think like, no. Tate, you can speak to this. Like you were the director of the Melbourne International Film Festival. And like, for me, I, we both love movies. There's nothing more I would love to do than go to a film festival and like yeah. cover it. Yeah. What's like, for people who haven't been, I know we're getting a little bit off track, but what's that environment like so that people, you know, want to go to film festivals? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, it's a different experience from the point of the filmmaker. I've, I've been on every side of that spectrum now as a, as, you know, as a producer, um, as a festival director, as a, as a, you know, the punter, you know, as we say, <laughs> as a, um, you know, a, a film goer, a film festival goer. I mean, um, two years ago, I was at South by Southwest with an, another film that I produced called Brother's Nest. Mm -hmm. And that was the world premiere. No one in Australia had seen it and the film had just been finished. And we knew that South by, you know, we all, all, already knew that would be a great experience, but that was just such a blast. I yeah, gotta say. Austin's you know? great. Yeah. And, 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 that, for example, um, was you just cannot you cannot replace. That's from the filmmaker point of view because there's the excitement of sharing the film for the first time and getting that immediate response. Particularly, it's a film that's got you know laughs or shocks or whatever. You need you need a couple of hundred people mm. in the room to really mm. to really monitor, yeah, monitor that reaction. But also, yeah. there's this weird emotional cathartic set of response. And I mean, we had this with Susie having spent nearly five years making a film and we finally got to premiere it here in our hometown a week after it was really really finished it was just such a release you know for, yep. for us as, as filmmakers it's like five years built up and just finally genie was out of the bottle um i mind you all our energy just completely sapped out of out of us the week afterwards yeah. <laughs> but as a film goer of many many years yeah it's actually about that it's discovery and you know i first started going to the sydney film festival which takes place mainly in this fantastic 2000 seat beautifully restored old theater and that's an incredible experience that'd be so cool yeah it's, it's tell a you long way for, uh, yeah no, I was going to say, I'll tell you one quick thing that I thought was very amusing. And that is, you know, in, in this rush to sort of, um, uh, you know, get something started. A lot of these drive-in theaters are, you know, suddenly doing business and getting busy. But of course the big studios aren't releasing their big blockbusters. They're holding off. Yeah. So for content, these drive-in cinemas are like getting these B movies and I just thought it was really ironic that in 2020, we've got drive-in cinemas playing B-movies. <laughs> that's the state of where we're all that's, at, That's where we're at. I was yeah. like, nothing surprises yeah. us anymore. Talk about back to the future. <laughs> yeah. Do you, have, um, do you have many operating drive-ins in Texas? We have two in our area, right? Yeah, we have okay. I know of two for sure. And then there's a couple, like, we, we live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, so there's a couple, like, yeah. outside the Metroplex. Yeah, that are, but there's yep. quite a few in Texas, which is it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, it's cool to have, and it's cool that they're coming back, and it's a great way for people to go out and experience. And it's neat movies. because it's always, it's typically out, uh, way outside the city, so it's in areas that actually don't have like a, uh, a you know, True movie a theater. franchise movie theater. Like mm. their movie mm. theaters are drive-in, they're little local things. So that's pretty neat. It's a really cool way. Mm. To yeah, do it. we've got. I mean, Melbourne's a city, four and a half million. We've got two two drive-ins left um, wow. in, in, in the suburbs. And there's one, another one that like, you know, 45 minutes out of town. Mm. But, um, but yeah, it, it's been great to see the, the, the revival the of drive-ins. Well, it's funny because yeah. like uh, around here, it's the go-to place for engagements. Like, yeah, no. yeah like two, <laughs> the two proposals yeah. there. Somehow the drive-in drive is now the spot to get like engaged at here yeah. in Texas. Uh, yeah, so come weird. to Texas if you oh, want to do fun. that, I guess. Yeah. Um, or to go to South by Southwest. Like you think they're getting engaged, you know? Yeah, who knows? So, um, <laughs> but no, we're super excited for the event on Wednesday. We'll be watching and we'll be uh, following along with the Q and A, but mm -hmm. do you guys have anything coming up that other than Suzy Q that you guys want to promote or anything that you can share? 
Oh we're working on something, but you know, as these things take a long time, it's a long way down the tracks. I think um, a film I, uh, you know, a film I've been involved with, um, I hope to have in South by next year. <laughs> it's about an Australian country western singer who um, comes to. It's a doco about Australian country western singer who comes to Nashville to live out her dream and record. That awesome. um, and that that's a pretty wild film. But I, we'd love to premiere that in South by. That would be the perfect place for that. Yeah. That'd be cool. Well, yeah, no, we'll keep an eye out for that. But uh, thank you guys, Liam and Tate, for taking the time and jumping on. And enjoy the rest of your day. We're gonna go to bed here soon in yeah. Texas. But <laughs> thank you guys for jumping on. We really do appreciate it. Uh, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, so we appreciate your interest. It's great to yeah. be. No, we'll definitely be talking to you guys in the future. Cool. Thanks, folks. After watching the Beatles as neighborhood girls got on the phone, what about an all-girl band? We were the earliest female group that rocked hard, didn't play like girls, like tinky tinky, you know, imagine the influence of Detroit. Sorry, Ryan, I have to, I have to write down a note real fast about baby teeth. Mm -hmm. That's 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 the note. Sad. Shit! I got pinned on my new shorts. Just sad. That movie, we're now going to talk about the new movie on, you can find it on VOD on Amazon. It's called Baby Teeth. Mm -hmm. It stars Eliza Scanlon and uh, Ben Mendelsohn, yep. as well as Toby Wallace. Um, he plays Moses in the movie. He was super good. Mm -hmm. uh, but <clears throat> how should we set the scene of what this movie is? Why don't we uh, go ahead and get our Jindo Max Ed rating? Is that how we should start? Because I want to set the mood of this. Of how good this movie is. Set the expectations. Set the level of, of want. Yeah, because this is seriously something that should be considered for multiple... Multiple awards. Multiple awards. Multiple yeah. Academy Awards, for sure. For best picture, best actor, actress, supporter, everything. I would say even in Music, a year... Even, like the fucking music in this yeah, thing yeah the music's great but like even in a year where there's like a lot of movies mm -hmm. where it wasn't like a light year that like this year's probably gonna be even though they pushed it back this should have still have been considered for a lot of different awards oh yeah and nominations so your rating i would give it a 4.75 same i think it is so close to being a perfect movie other than the beginning portions of it I think it started off a little slow and it doesn't give quite as much information about everybody as maybe not quickly, but like succinctly as possible. Mm -hmm. And so then you're left with this idea of like, okay, what the fuck is actually happening here? And then you start to kind of put together not a ton of different puzzle pieces, but some of the weird parts of what's going on make a whole lot more sense. Right. That's my only detraction as well is there's like a certain segment of the movie, like, <clears throat> Maybe from half an hour in to like maybe forty five minutes left in the movie, that like middle section where there's mm -hmm. so many like ups and downs and twists and turns that like you're not like at certain points you're like what the fuck is happening in this movie like and then as soon as like everything comes together and you see exactly where they're taking you, it's the most beautiful thing you like you could possibly see in cinema and when you like when you see that moment where it's like okay i know where we're going now it's almost like you just strap yourself in because you're just getting ready for like what what a hell of an emotional roller coaster yeah because the end is yeah so let's 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 give what the movie is about it stars like oh, i said synopsis synopsis okay. eliza scanlon uh she plays milla uh she is a I think 16 or 17 year old. She's in 10th grade. Yeah, grade she's 10 16. in Australia. Um, and so she's a schoolgirl in Australia. I don't know. She's getting on a train to go to school and she's basically not knocked over, but like wooed at, uh, on, by this kid or dude. He's 23. His name is Moses, mm -hmm. uh, played by Toby Wallace. And they start to kind of form this relationship. He's an obvious, like, yeah, drug addict. Drug addict, homeless. like, takes advantage of everybody. Like, and you get, and this is where we're going to, this spoiler talk, this is where it begins. Um, spoilers. spoilers! So, what happens is they, he basically is using her for drugs. Mm -hmm. And then she has a form of cancer that they never really 
specify, which is fine. Like, I think that actually works. Did they say leukemia? I thought they did. Did they say leukemia? I thought they did, but maybe not. I don't know. If they did, then... It's not important to the story It's not important to the story just to know that she has cancer. And they start to realize her parents, who will not win any parenting awards, start to realize, like, we should just let her maybe not do whatever the fuck she wants, but, like, do it in a constructed way, a structured way at their own home, and they basically let this guy move in. You need a little bit more preface than that. Like, the movie yeah. starts off, and, like, when she meets this guy, her cancer is still in remission. Yeah. And so... And, and he, like, shaves her head. Yeah, and, like, well, her, her cancer comes out of remission, I think, at some point in the movie. Like, when she's... No, 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 I was talking about there's a scene at the very beginning of the movie where he, like, he fucks up, or he gets her to bunk off school and then takes her to her to his like mom's house mm-hmm. and she, he's giving her like a haircut trying to get him get her a rat tail yeah yeah like that her cancer is still in remission at that point i like, didn't have to full-on shave her head. yeah 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 you're right right oh i'm just saying like there's a certain arc to it where it goes from like she doesn't have cancer and then like you find out that she, that she actually does and it comes out of remission she starts chemo um and it's at that point where her parents are like, okay, we see that this guy, even though he's, like, extremely troubled, you know, at one point in the movie, like, threatens Mila's mom with uh, meat thongs. Meat prongs. Meat prongs. You know, he's a fucking thief. He's a drug addict. But um, her parents realize, like, hey, if it helps keep our daughter alive because it makes her happy, then, like, it's kind of something we have to do. So at that point, they... You know, the dad even offers, the dad's a psychiatrist, and the dad offers to, like, exchange prescription drugs for this guy to come and, like, make his daughter happy, basically. Literally live with them, basically. Yeah. Because he's been kicked out by his mom. And the other scene that it speaks to how much of, like, piece of shit this guy is, like, he literally, where he's a piece of shit for the first part of the movie, he basically, like, comes over to hang out with her and she just started chemo and they're outside on the lawn and she starts like puking her guts out and her mom can't find her medicine Mm -hmm. because this dude had come over just to hang out with her and steal all the drugs he could find no matter what the drugs were and he stole the drug like her anti-nausea medicine basically he had stolen like all her prescriptions that she needed and so so then her parents are like she's smitten with this dude can't see right from wrong with him and they're just like you know she should have what well, the exact line from ben mendelson is she should have the, the world, world at, at her feet, feet yeah for for right now because she was going through hell with the disease that she had mm-hmm. and so you have all of this going on and there's finally a point where moses like realizes he's just got to turn it around he actually kind of has feelings for this girl right and he literally goes detox with her. Like he's he's the now the one throwing up, and she's like helping him to throw up. Yeah, it's such a great just symmetry moment, like callback moment. That when I saw it, I was just like, "That's really fucking cool." Right. It's like crazy because like after, from that point on, he like actually becomes part of their family, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the like you know, the story takes a rather dark turn um when she like you know she gets to the point where she knows she's gonna die and she's now contemplating the like easiest way to do that um and so there's a you know we get to the part in the movie where she asks him to suffocate her with her pillow um so and he does yeah yeah um but it's it's such a and I don't want to say well done scene. Um, it's it's an amazing scene because you have this this moment where he is trying to be a better person, and he wants to help her in any way that he can. But he knows he's basically sacrificing a part of himself if he does this. Like he yeah. will be guilt ridden forever if he does something like this. But he also knows it's the right thing to do. Exactly, because he doesn't want her to be in pain anymore. And so then you're just like, holy shit, he's gonna do it. And he, he starts to do it, and you're like, is she going to kick? Is she going to, like, spaz out? Like, what the fuck is about to happen? 
and of course like 30 seconds later she starts freaking out and like really fighting back Mm -hmm. and he lets the pillow up and it's just like it's again i really hope people watch this before we talk spoilers but like because that is one of those moments where you're watching the movie and you're just sitting there like complete like you're 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 holding your breath because you don't know if he's gonna kill her or not yeah you don't know how that scene's gonna go and that was the moment where i was just like holy shit like this movie has me completely on the edge of my seat not knowing like where we're going with this yeah you're like uh like what's it called suspense or uh suspension of disbelief Mm -hmm. like i mean you were like in that scene you were like purely connected to like the film yeah no i I mean you were just like we were so like caught up in the emotion of that of that scene um god and it, it like it doesn't happen that night that's what it's like the the arc of the story is so good because like uh she doesn't die that night but like the next morning it cuts to her parents like talking over breakfast and like they're actually happy in this scene and like it's a really you know for me it was like a a hopeful scene i was like oh you know maybe she's she's gonna like get past this turn a corner like everything's gonna be okay and then moses comes out and smokes a cigarette uh and you can just tell by like his demeanor that she's gone um and it's really cool too because like his demeanor walking out you like can like almost he takes like four or five steps and then you kind of get more light on his face and you can just tell it's like oh holy shit but then like her mom's really not paying attention so she walks out of frame and then they cut to ben mendelson and his face you know it's like that realization of what's about to happen hits his face and if you don't realize like what's about to happen like you're okay so like that moment where everybody's face is just like shows you like that's i don't know if i've said it on here before but you know 80 or 90 percent of communication is nonverbal in a movie yeah that's one of those great examples where you know exactly like what's being communicated in that scene just from how the actors are portraying their face and the different motions that they're making it's such a great piece of film right in that oh, moment yeah. like that. And then when she walks out, it's just that entire five ish minutes is perfection. Wait, and and they then you get to the, the, the point of that same scene where like it kind of ends by um, Moses comforting Mill's mother. Yes. And you see like that is the pinnacle of Moses's arc where he goes from being a drug addict, thief, like homeless horrible person who you know is being chased off by his mother by Milla's mother by everyone he ever encounters except Milla to this point where he's now part of the family and he is like they're almost rock or Milla's mom's rock in that moment it's so gorgeous but then you get to the beach just wrenching yeah Yeah. and then you flash back you flash back to this beach scene that had been kind of uh, hinted at. And when it started, I didn't know what to really expect. And then when, you know, Ben Mendelsohn and Eliza Scanlon have their moment where, like, he basically tells her that we're going to be okay. And mm-hmm. it's such an honest moment between two people that it and it happens so sudden almost from the previous line to this where it was like you had this shift and you're sitting there like holy shit this is what that person means it really again just punches you right in the stomach yeah the the way they ended this movie is just like it was a good movie up to this point and then you know i i told you after it ended like the only movie i can compare this to that drew you in so emotionally got you so connected to the story and like just tore you down it was manchester by the sea um yeah that's a fucking hardcore movie that is very very similar strain but the it was already a great movie but the way they ended this movie like is incredible the last like i think it was we went back and looked i think it was the last 20 25 minutes of the movie yeah, where close to like twenty minutes. Yeah, like the last twenty-ish minutes of the movie. 
is is like the best of the entire it's insane it is literally filmmaking at its like pinnacle is the best like example and let's give her a shout out i i i saw the name and i remember the name and i don't so i'm gonna look it up on imdb pro real fast um because i think this is our directorial debut which is absolutely insane for this movie because it is and she co Are you talking about the uh, director or producer? Director. Okay. The director of this movie is Shannon Murphy. Uh, Shannon Murphy did a fucking kick-ass job on this movie. Um, like, I I cannot say enough about what she did with this. She's direct, she directed a short called Eagle Hawk, another one called Pineapple Squat, Love Me Tender, Charisma and the comeback so this is her first feature length film okay and this I, i'm gonna go watch her other shorts now because i bet they're freaking yeah as great really as this good. was but it's a great movie and let's let's get into some some awards talk okay eliza scanlon i don't i don't mean i don't know what else could even be like compared to this they're like uh, yeah. that's something i asked him like as soon as this ended like what other contenders are there for best um best actress right now and like i mean to be fair like you to be fair fair, you have to get into like november december before you see like yeah the movies that are usually contenders but like nothing so far compares to this i don't think as far as um best actress i mean she doesn't get nominated for this it's a goddamn travesty yeah it's really really stupid if she doesn't get nominated at, at least at the very least and i think uh the mom who's in this um i think she should be nominated as well uh again i'm going to imdb because we can do that here we can look up people's names just real fast okay yeah essie davis okay. i think she should be nominated for like best supporting actress like she's really really good ben Mendelssohn kills it i don't know if he's good enough to be nominated uh i don't know it another really cool thing about this movie is like you know, his character isn't a perfect character by all means. He's not like a great hey, he cheats guy. Cheats on his wife with a right. pregnant woman. But he's not like, you know, a fucking empire. You know, uh, fucking cat. He's not a villain. Like most of his yeah, 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 most yeah. of his roles are like, he's a super bad, like obviously bad guy. And it was empire cool. by by empire, you mean Star Wars? Yeah, he's not okay. like you know chasing down. Yeah. What's his face? Um, that was his whole role in Rogue One. Great movie in Rogue One. Um, I can remember none of the details though. No, um, I just remember the forces with me, the force, whatever. I am one with the force. The forces with me. I yeah yeah. Uh, anyways, but Star Wars. Where the fuck was I going with this, Alex? Okay, it was cool to see him in a non-villain role because he did a bang-up job as like you know, honestly troubled character, (laughs) a drug-dealing father basically. That yeah yeah. Oh dude, there's a scene where he's fuck his wife catches him shoot morphine. He's just like, so yeah, that he's does just sitting there just holding the fucking gods. Like, I can't talk right now, honey. I'm fucking floating. And she's like, she's like, how, like, we can't let you do this. Like, you can't do this. And he's like, it's the first time. And he's just like riding the purple dragon. Oh, dude, he's, he's <laughs> like, off in Neverland. Nah, he's, yeah, he's gone. Which you can't really talk for her because he's prescribing her like shit. Yeah, you know, half the Zoloft. movie, she's tripping balls on Zoloft and whatever the hell else. They're yeah. all drug addled people i guess yeah everyone is a troubled troubled individual in this movie which that doesn't and, seem like how australia usually is let's talk about the greatest like side characters of almost like this they're like up there with like babu freak i think tin one and the music tinwa tinwa was dope man yeah, i Tenwa love that and kid the music teacher yeah no this little kid just like shows up outside of music this little stray in, yeah apparently and, in australia and now all they, of a sudden like this kid is now just like the protege of the musical person. Yeah, like his adopted, his, con, you know, what is it called in a, what do you call uh, Spider-Man in Endgame? Night they Monkey? Was, uh, no, 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 he's like, this reward. Oh, yeah, his reward. <laughs> yeah. That's what they used to call Dick Grayson in the Batman comics. Yeah, it's, a, it's his, an old school thing. His ward. Okay. Great movie. Baby Teeth. Really good movie. Check yeah. it out. I don't know how to dismount off that, really. I don't know. I mean, don't go into it. Like, this can be an emotional movie for you, so. Yeah. Don't I mean, watch this with a loved one. Put your big boy pants on. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's great. And it's only $7 on Amazon. 
You can go watch Irresistible for $20 on Amazon, or you can watch an actually good movie. Sorry, Jon Stewart, but you can watch Baby Teeth, and you'll have a good time. Not really, though. I mean, it's a better movie. You'll have a great time. I mean, it's, yeah. it's if you, fucking if you appreciate great. like good filmmaking, you'll like this. Yeah, I mean, so... It's been a fun episode, Ryan. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. We talked an Australian movie. We talked about with Australians. Talked, yeah, I talked to a couple of Australians. This is a really cool episode. When we're probably gonna, we might get to hang out with with Tate if he comes to Austin. So hopefully we'll get to see Tate in Austin in, I guess that would be South by Southwest would be March. So we'll see if that happens, I, or I another it, virus is gonna come hit us, and we're never gonna have film festivals again. So we're never gonna have our homes ever again. So that might happen, but uh, go check out our previous episodes, furloughedfilmtalks.net slash podcast. Check us out on Instagram, uh, furloughedfilm. Ta- is it furloughedfilmtalks? Yeah, it's furloughedfilmtalks on Instagram. Screw you, Ryan. Jesus. Twitter, furloughedfilm. Uh, and then YouTube for Load Film Talks. We put up all of our episodes on there as well as our interviews. Uh, so definitely check those out whenever it gets on YouTube. Subscribe to that. Uh, follow us on the two social media accounts and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, guys. So yep, yep. Uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode and we will see you on Thursday. Adios, amigos. Hey, hey.